Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate on the Rocks. This week, the guys help you navigate these crazy interest rates and give you some creative financing ideas that may help you land that dream home. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Real Estate on the Rocks. This is JC Ortega. I'm with Jameson Amros. Um, and we're missing Oscar Ibarra today, unfortunately. He is in San Diego with his family enjoying some sun and some beach. But a whale's vagina, oh, yeah. I believe is what that's called. <laughs> that's a scientific term. I saw it on Wikipedia, so it must be true. But uh, we make up uh, the Metro Pit 20 Home Team, powered by Fathom Realty. Yes, sir. Um, we are currently the 12th largest team in units sold in the state of Colorado. How many units is that? Uh, last year was about 146. So we average roughly 130 plus per year. This year will be right around the same thing. So. With a ton of experience, too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we have a lot of agents who are you know, 18 plus years in the business individually. So together we, we have a great collection of minds and we can't wait to share what we have learned or experiencing in the market with you. Yep. But first, uh, thank you so much for staking with us. We had a lot of support and feedback from our first, first episode. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. We, um, we acknowledge we made some mistakes. Somebody could have had a very bad prediction that's now on the internet that lives forever. And we'll correct that today, but Oh, it's yeah. on there. Podcasts are, uh, they're different, right? I mean, I'm going to make it as ringtones every time yeah, I call him. It's going to be like. Caller ID is just going to say, who's calling? You were wrong. <laughs> uh, but we, uh, yeah, we're learning and we appreciate you guys coming along for the ride. It's one of those things where, you know, you listen to yourself. It's like listening to yourself on a voicemail, right? Like, oh, I hate my voice. I don't, I don't sound like that, do I? Do I really sound that terrible? So uh, we appreciate you guys sticking around. We're going to try and continue to improve every week. And we, uh, we really appreciate the support everybody's given us. We've gotten some positive feedback, whether that's fake or not, and just wants to make us feel good. We appreciate either way. And every work, we're going to try and, try and do something different, try and do something new. And I think our overall goal stays the same, right? We want to educate you guys uh, in the best and most entertaining ways possible so that you guys can navigate the insanity that's happening right now in the housing market, in life. And uh, I mean, hopefully bring some smiles. I, mean, I don't know, you know? Right now it's a little tough. And I promise not to bang on the table again. Which he just did. <laughs> so now that his ringtone is going to be Bam Bam. As my son was telling me yesterday, Dad, don't bang. It hurts my ears. So uh, yeah, no, this stuff is hard. Um, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time, sports in particular, but it's crazy. I thought it, it was It sounds easy. easy. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's rough. So again, super appreciate the support. It means a lot to us. Yep. And we will get better. And hopefully the content and what and the entertainment we bring you will add value in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to uh, one of our production coordinators, Charles Sardelli. He's also part of a real estate team, but he has a, uh, a background in video and audio production has been helping us out. So shout out to Charlie for uh, dealing with us as we try and fumble through this whole podcast world. Uh, so thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. I see you back there. Absolutely, man. You're the best. So today's topic is going to be a derivative of last week. So as uh, our co-host Jamison Amaros alluded to he is Nostradamus of the week he listen <laughs> I'm Nostradamus okay and here's what happened I'm gonna explain it really quick we always look at history right that's that's how we look at things and try to predict the future every time the Fed has raised the rate banks have taken it into account and we haven't seen a spike in mortgage rates what happened last week is we knew the 75 basis point hike was gonna happen we knew and everybody priced it in what we didn't know or was what Jameson that. predicted on camera and on tape. <laughs> what I predicted was things weren't going to change drastically. What actually happened was things changed drastically. And the reason was 
was because the Fed said, hey, by the way, yeah, we got a 75 uh, basis point rate hike, but we're also expecting to do another 125 basis points between now and the end of the year. And that was then priced in by the banks and the mortgage companies that wasn't previously priced in. So I apologize. This is me on air saying I was wrong. And today's episode is to try and talk through some of those uh, fears and sentiments around the rate hike and what it means if you're looking at buying or selling a house. And it's not going to be scary. As we move into Halloween, it's spooky not, season, baby. It's not going to be that scary. Promise you. So before we get into all that, this is the fun part. This is where we got most of the feedback that people wanted more of the info from. The is our bourbon introduction. So today's bourbon of the week is going to be our 1792 12-year one of my favorites. I love this one so much. Jameson, what do you, th- uh, what do you know about this thing? Uh, right now, I mean, I, I personally know nothing. However, uh, we have something called the Internet that gives us some fun facts. And there's a couple of fun facts I wanted to highlight as far as uh, the 1792 uh, bourbon. So number one, it's 1792 because that highlights the year that Kentucky was initially uh, essentially joined the Union as a state. Uh, it was the distillery itself was established in 1879. So if any of you uh, whiskey aficionados are um, privy to Bardstown, it is actually the oldest distillery in Bardstown, uh, established in uh, 1879. It's a 192-acre facility. That's a lot of whiskey. Like, I could do a lot with 192 acres of whiskey. So we're excited to taste it today. Uh, it did win the silver medal. Uh, in San Francisco in the World Spirit Competition in 2021. And supposedly, and you've had Pappy, I have not. So I'm going to put that out there. There's a trend here. I There's typically a trend, have the more right? classy bourbons. Yeah, I, uh, listen, listen. We'll, we'll talk, that's that's a different podcast. Uh, this is supposedly uh, a good competitor to Pappy at a much cheaper price. I would agree. This is actually up there with uh, Weller 12, okay. um, if people are familiar with the... Uh, Buffalo Trace or the Sazerac line, this is in, in line with that. Which, by the way, this is a total side note, but if you guys are on Netflix, one of the better documentaries is the Pappy Van oh, Winkle so heist. Oh, so good. So funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is absolutely insane. If you guys story's nuts. watch that and understand the depravity that people will go to to get good whiskey, this is part of the reason why we do this podcast. So I'm excited to try it. Um, you yeah, know, JC's like- had it before. It's one of his favorites. I've never had it, so... No, if it's, you guys are it's at super home good. Along, uh, the cool thing is, what's, what's kind of cool about this one? This one's a silver medal in 2021. The we talked a little bit about last week. The smoke wagon uncut on oh, yeah. yeah. that actually won gold. So we haven't had that one yet. We'll probably go that a couple a couple weeks from now. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, we have it on the tap. We're te- de- technically going too fast, too hard on the good stuff. But it's okay because you know what? We're still learning. So we are still if, learning. If we're going to be bad at the uh, talking on the internet, we might as well be good at the drinking other good stuff. Have I told you guys this is going to be a roller coaster ride? Strap in. Uh, cheers, my friend. So, what are your initial thoughts? Woo wee! Smooth. Oh, dude, that's so smooth. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, recommended. It's a 96 proof. So, you know. It's a little lighter, but it's aged 12 years, yeah. which is tough, right? If yeah. You, so, JC, what, is, what does 12 years age mean? So it means it, when you put whiskey in a oak barrel, yep. they're going to char the inside of it and they're going to store it in a rickhouse for 12 years. 
Okay. So when you put something in a rickhouse, which has no air conditioner, no heating, they're just out in the open, the elements are going to heat it, they're going to cool it. Some some winters will be colder than others, some summers hotter than others. The light will hit it. It's going to change the flavor quite a bit over 12 years. So there's a lot of factors that kind of go into how this whiskey is going to taste <clears throat> after 12 years if it's in a rickhouse, right? Because it's, it's not a climate-controlled nope. environment. No, it, is, no, no, no. it is susceptible to the elements, susceptible to different factors like cold and heat, wind, and so on and so forth. And it changes every day. Kind of similar to the the real Ooh, estate market. Yeah, like you, you think so? Like what you did there. See that? Yeah. The cool That's thing called too, a segue, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> segue. But it finishes up. The only cool thing about this one is because it's 12 years, over time you have a natural evaporation. So what you're drinking is some juice that is very fine, very rare, just like the advice we're about to dawn on you. Some would call it liquid courage, which is also what we're using to even do this podcast in the first place. So... Uh, speak for yourself, my friend. <laughs> speak for yourself. So, uh, <laughs> again, uh, this is fantastic. Like, actually, this is kind of a treat. I, I don't, do. This don't is, drink this, this is one easy. often, but I am pumped. Yeah, to, this, to, is, this is easy to say. And, and part of the reason why we wanted to bust open this good one is because mm. this topic is going to be quite sensitive in some ways. Sure. It's caused a lot of friction with buyers and sellers, and it's caused fear amongst pretty much all the news outlets out there. Everyone's talking about how we're getting into 2008 and it's going to crash and yeah, 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 yeah. Again, more nonsense, more noise. And again, like not going to say there's not going to be an effect, but ultimately our goal is, again, to give you the most information that's most relevant to today's climate and, and market conditions so that you can do the best with what we have to offer. So, yep. Jameson, get into rates, man. Rates, per my prediction, are wrong. <laughs> Just say that again. Uh, so they, what were they they've like, increased, man. Le- like last Wednesday when we filmed? Well, I mean, so here's the easiest way to describe it, right? Well, what, every, was what was the number last Every week? rate, every mortgage company has a rate table, right? And that rate table basically dictates, okay, if I'm going to borrow money from this bank and these investors, this is the interest rate I'm going to pay on it. And last week when we were talking about the Fed rate hike, everybody had priced in and you were looking around a 65 between 6.5, 6.875, somewhere around there, right? And we knew that that was priced in because previously the Fed had said, hey, we're probably going to see a 75 basis point rate hike, which puts upward pressure on mortgage rates, so on and so forth. Well, that rate table now, once the Fed came out and did that and then also said there was going to be additional rate hikes, basically saying, hey, telegraphing, this is what we're going to do. If you talk to a lender, the current rates that we're at aren't actually on the rate table. So right now, to be completely transparent with you guys, rates are probably around a 7.125 to a 7.6. I think we got quoted earlier today when we were talking to one of our lender partners. We did hear a 7.6. Yeah, but they're not on the rate table. So what that means is in order to get to a 6.875, there's points that need to be paid. So that will affect closing costs and different things you have to come with out of pocket if you are a buyer. But it's because, you know, the mortgage companies, they don't want to advertise 7% rates. They don't have a rate table. And the second part of that is it's so volatile now that, you know, they want to make sure that they're not changing these tables on a weekly basis because of market sentiment and different things that happen. So right now, we're we're almost north of a seven, I would say. No, um, no, we are, for, for sure. the first time in, I want to say it's almost a decade, right? I think it's probably longer than that. Yeah. I, again, this is my eighth year, and uh, the highest rate I've ever seen previous to this year was five point. so this is by far the highest I've ever seen it but again it it goes to we talked a little bit last week around like you can't control yesterday can't control tomorrow but what you can control is today and what you do with the decisions you make and 
just you know for reference right we saw the highest peak which was on uh friday mm-hmm. and it's actually t- trickled back down today yep actually i lie it's, it was monday that was the highest but it's trickled back down today so it's going to be change ever changing and we can't predict that but what we can predict is what we can do with um the, the programs that are available today yep and the good news is like lenders just like buyers just like sellers they're going to react and they're going to come up with programs or options or different things that we're going to help everyone achieve what they want to achieve. Yeah, and I think that's the, you know, the the give and take is as environments change, people adapt. Right? 100%. And it's not a bad thing, but we do recognize that there is a negative sentiment to what we would call creative financing. Yeah, I agree. Right. And um, anything, anytime you say creative, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like shady or mm-hmm. awkward or weird right. or not good. But what we want to talk about today is how to win in our current environment. And there's there's actually going to be opportunity. In fact, thousand percent. Still got people in a contract this weekend. Yep. So let's transition into our first piece of this, which is going to be buy downs. So what, Jameson, what's a buy down? So a rate buy down essentially is uh, it's money paid to pay off the interest portion of a loan, right? So when we talk about a buy-down, uh, and you guys have probably heard, a 2-1 buy-down, we've got three 2-1 buy-downs. Essentially what it means is if I can get somebody to pay those interest points, I can then decrease my interest that I pay on my mortgage for a set amount of time. Yeah, so you're paying money up, up front to get the rate from what it is currently down to whatever it may be. <coughs> Correct. And there's really two types of buy downs. Yeah. There's a temporary one. Mm-hmm. There's a permanent one. Correct. So what we want to dive deeper into is what are the benefits? Oh, there's the banging again. Benefits of a buy down that's permanent and a buy, buy down that's temporary. Yep. And what are some of the different options? Yep. So what right now would you say is more effective for our clients, permanent or temporary? So the... The question is, how volatile do you think the market's going to be yeah, going great, forward, great, right? Good question. And I think what we've seen over the last, I mean, five, six months since June, let's say, uh, it's been very volatile, right? Uh, and it's not only volatile because we have inflation. We're dealing with a lot of different just macroeconomic issues throughout the world. Whether Ex- it's External too, right? Like yeah. there's things not even in the United States nope. that are causing these issues. Yeah, you're talking the Russia-Ukraine war. You're talking Germany's inflation. Obviously, the dollar is going to drive a lot of what the world economy does, and that's evident that the dollar is as, as strong as it is currently. But there's a lot of things that are happening outside of our, you know, our our sphere that are affecting rates and different things within our economy. So when you look at it and you say, okay, we know after looking over the last six months that rates are going to be volatile, what we want to do <clears throat> is we want to buy as much time as possible uh, from a mortgage rate standpoint to get to a point where we can refinance so on and so forth. So if you're looking at a two one rate buy down versus a permanent buy down, the two one rate buy down or the three two one rate buy down makes a little bit more sense because A, it costs less. B, yes, it's a short term solution, but it buys us time to get back to an economic standpoint, which would allow us to have lower mortgage rates, AKA a recession, which most likely is going to happen, you know, within the next 18 months. We're already there. Months. Like the, the, the reporting will be out in a couple of weeks, but let's be honest, we all kind of know we're there. Yep. Yeah. So basically what you're, what you're, uh, what you're battling is if I'm at a, you know, like we just said, right? Seven, one, two, five. I think we just heard from one of our lenders on a 680 credit score. Best conventional possible loan. rate on conventional with uh, 10%, 5%, seven, seven, one, five, two, five, yeah. 5% down. Yeah. Right. So if I do a permanent rate buy down, 
I may buy down a quarter of a percent, maybe a half a percent on the good day, which will cost me as a buyer five thousand to seven to eight thousand dollars, which gets me to what six five, six seven five, somewhere around there, and I'm locked in for thirty years, right? Versus if I can get a seller to help me out with that based on the fact that the house has been on the market for a while, home prices are continuing to drop a little bit, and I can get down, if it's a three to one buy down, I'm talking 3% below what I'm at. So what's 3% below 7125? It's a 4125 for the first year, 5125 for the second year, 6125 for the third year. So that money allows me to have a cheaper monthly payment for three years, and essentially the hope is that as interest rates go back down, you can then refinance into the lower rate for the, the remainder of the 30-year term versus a permanent buy-down. I mean, I bought down the rate, that's great, but if I only bought down to a 6125, now I'm gonna have to refinance in three years, pay more money for that refinance, and essentially, I never see that money. It doesn't work for me. Yeah, I and think the- We the, talk about leverage all the time, right? Yeah. In real estate, we wanna maintain leverage. A buy-down is the way for buyers right now to maintain leverage in a transaction. Yeah, and if you break it down, by the numbers, which we've talked about quite a bit on this pod, is numbers and numbers and numbers, is like Jameson was saying, the current rate, let's call it 725. Yep. You buy it down for $7,000 mm-hmm. and it gets down to 6875. Yep. On a $550,000 house, $600,000 house, it's going to save you roughly $50 a month. Correct. So if we divide the cost of that, by the monthly savings, how much time will it take you to recoup that cost? Yeah. And really the hope is if within six, after six months, the rate drops below that, you're gonna refinance anyways. Mm-hmm. So that means you paid all that money, you only saved, let's call it, I don't know, 10 months, you saved $500, but you paid 7,000 to get there, you just gave up all that money. Yeah, so I mean, if you wanna put it into, perspective right we take that same math you're talking to break even it's 140 months that's a long time right i mean that's 11.6 years to break even just on that yeah and And what's the average time that people stay in the house before moving five and a half years five and a half to seven years right so and and you're making a bet right you're making a bet that um rates will not drop in that time and when you go refinance it's going to cost you money to refinance anyways Mm -hmm. so what we're saying is and my dad told me this every time I went to a casino when I first uh, started gambling put $20 on black oh wait no <clears throat> that wrong, was a wrong that, casino. that was entourage that was that was Vegas <laughs> entourage in Vegas uh, was I got a they, story about JC in Vegas later for you guys that want to stay tuned for episode <laughs> three just by the one, way just one story uh, so was it you know what you know now you don't know what we don't know in the future so he, what he said was if you're gonna go to the casino take whatever you wanted to take out of your bank to gamble and just assume it's lost yeah I think it's a good, that's a great way so to describe it. So for me, it was always $200, right? right? I'm okay losing the $200, but I had fun for seven hours. Cool. It's cost-benefit analysis, right? Yes. Yeah, so if I win, I win. If I lose, I already knew I lost. Did I have fun? Did I have more fun than I had not fun losing money? 100%. Yeah. So now it, with the permanent buy-down, which we just talked about, if you go to like a 2-1 buy-down or a 3-2-1 buy-down, here's how it works. So a 3-2-1 buy-down, which is a newer program, for a lot of these lenders out there, is let's say today's rate seven one two five, which it is. Well, it was as of an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, you take three percent off that seven percent, mm-hmm. which brings you down to a four one two five. Yep. 
So on a current listing we have, which is $600,000. So this is a real world example. I know a lot of people will throw out numbers and figures and hypotheticals and whatnot, which is good, right? Mm -hmm. But we decided that, you know, I think it's beneficial for anybody listening that if we give them, you know, a specific listing that we, we physically have in the MLS, it is active uh, to give you guys an idea of the power of what this would do if you're a potential buyer on this property. So $600,000 house. Yep. 10% down at today's current rate of 7125 after insurances and taxes are built in we're looking at a payment of $4,251 okay if we did a 321 buy down in that very first year at a 4.125 the payment drops to $3200 even so what's the difference that monthly it's $1,251 okay which is basically two Teslas. Easily. And the second year jumps up to a 5125, which is 3553, mm -hmm. so $3,553. Okay. Only a $300 a month jump. Okay. And then we jump back up to what's normal. So, now the cool thing with year this year one, is you said you saved how much a month? $1,000. Okay. So, let's go times 12, right? So, you're talking almost $12,000, mm -hmm. right? And then year two? Uh, you're saving roughly 750 bucks per month, mm -hmm. right? So 750. Oops. Jimmy it's weird on a calculator and a computer. Jameson can't do math in his head. Yeah, no. Oscar, you can hear the same. Best of peace. Nine grand. So what's the total of those two savings? $21,000. $21,000 in two years. Insane, right? It's, so, it's, that's big money. Yeah. I mean, divided then, by 24 months, you're talking and then, and then the, 875 a month. On a third year, it goes back up 1%. So now we're at 6125. Right. Which is where you would have started well, initially. No, it, well, no, even, even 1%. Actually, no, 1%. Yeah. Yep. So now you're talking, you have three years to figure out, are we going to drop? And the really cool thing about this is, so there is a cost associated with this. But in most cases, uh, well, almost all cases, Sellers are paying for this cost. Mm -hmm. So on a $600,000 house, we're talking roughly 15K. Yep. And a house that's been set in the market for 45, 61 days, you think they would take 15K to sell this house? Uh, yes, absolutely. 100%. I mean, we talk, so just as a, from a realtor standpoint, if I'm listing a house, right, and this is assuming we list it at the right price and we do the comps and we say, hey, this is what it's worth. At the end of the day, what do we always say? A house is worth whatever somebody willing to pay for on any given day, right? Well, if a house is on the market for 21 days, we know that whatever price that is, nobody's willing to pay that. And we've gone so quickly from, I mean, what, last year it was three to four days on market. We're up to 15. No, oh, no, no. We're up to 25. Or 25 days. Yeah. So at this point, you know, sellers are willing to concede some things to get the house sold so they can pull their equity out, they'll pull the money out, their proceeds, whatever it is, to go to a new place. So if you're looking at that and you say, oh, well, yeah, it's all the numbers are fine and great. Yeah, the numbers are fantastic. However, the reason we want to use a real world example is because this is what's happening every day in the market. And if you are working with your realtor and this conversation hasn't been brought up, we recommend that you guys have the conversation and, and get creative. It's not a bad thing, right? We always say it, it's adapt or die. <laughs> like that's just how it works. That's life, man. And in, in this kind of environment, like we want to make sure that with our clients, we're having those conversations as a buyer standpoint and from a seller standpoint, which we'll get into a little bit later, we're having those same conversations. But the point is, and the, the whole reason we're talking to you guys 
is to make sure you understand that there are creative ways and there's different ways to get into the place that you want to get into with a cheaper monthly payment that a lot of people think is possible right now. Because people just assume 7.125, the freaking sky is falling. I can't afford it, so I'm just not even going to look. And that's not the case. Yeah, well, you, you can also take advantage of two things. So at 4.125, is it as good as it was four or five months ago? No. However, is it at a healthy rate? Mm-hmm. Are you also going to get a house that's probably undervalued in some ways? Especially now with seasonality and, yep. you know, the market trends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can get in there, right? So, and the, and the cool thing is it, it alleviates some of the stress of what people thought about back in 2018 or 2008, 2007 with adjustable mm-hmm. rate interest right. rates. So you still have to qualify for this home at the higher rate. Correct, yes. So you still have to be able to afford the payment based on the standards that the government has set up for the debt-to-income ratios. What they're saying is in the first three years, you can take advantage of a lower cost of ownership and hope that within three years, the rates will drop below what we think. Which, if we look historically, we do think is going to happen. And yeah. I think that's the big, you, you, you bring up a great point, right? Anytime somebody hears creative financing, they think, okay, all lending practices are out the window. We're just trying to get people in the houses. It's going to be 2008. It's not 2008. It's not this the case. Is, there's still government regulations involved. Yep. There's still a lot of safety nets. And ultimately, it's going to be a good bet, right? You're all, you already know what the highest payment will be possible. You've qualified for it. Again, my analogy back to when my dad said to go to the casino. I knew what money I'm taking to the casino. Yep. What I didn't realize was my first three years of bets, I didn't have to pay for. Right. They were free because it's below what I thought. It was Playing about. house money. Yeah. And so now, two one buy downs. Mm-hmm. What is that one? So two and buy downs are essentially the same thing as three and buy downs, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's essentially saying, hey, for the first, you know, for two years, you're going to have a lower interest payment. And the concept is the exact same. It's seller concession paid, right? And this is where the strategy comes in when it comes to offering on homes because a any of the buy downs we're talking about has to be paid by the seller. Yeah, could be paid by the seller, could be paid by the lender, could be paid by the agent. And this is kind of what separates us apart from a lot of the folks out there yes. is with our relationships we built with lenders as well as, you know, because of the, the volume we do and as many agents as we have, like we're not going to like beat up a client right. over like a com- commission. No, absolutely not. So if someone comes up to me and goes like, hey, JC, I want to buy this house, right. but I need like, you know, some help. Guess what? Um, I'm not a selfish person. I'd rather get that person to the house because I'm hoping that they, I take care of them and in the future their family, their friends, their referrals takes care of us. So we've, we set up promotions and collaborations with certain business partners where we can help take care of this burden. I'll, I'll give you a real world example. My last closing, uh, we closed on the 19th of September, I believe, first time home buyer. And uh, we, I kicked in, I think $2,500 in commission mm-hmm. to get him into a house, right? And yeah, it's 2,500, 2,500, but the, the point is we're willing to do those type of things because we understand the landscape that we're in and we understand that it's hard and we understand that it's stressful and something like a two one buy down if we're able to help bridge that gap right to give those concessions so that people can get into a home to me like that's worth it right like yes we do real estate agents make good money uh, well, it depends who you talk to. So the uh, we do right. Yeah, I mean, like, but but that's it, not it, why we do the job, right? No, well, <laughs> like, you couldn't be successful no. in this business if you did it just for the money. Mm-mm. 
end of story. Like, Absolutely not. not how it works. No. So ultimately, we want to make sure that we get you guys into the place you can yep. with the current products and promotions that are there. And we have the ability to, to network with the people who we have trusted relationships with. And that's a benefit of working with us. Again, sales pitchy, I, I get it. But like at the same time, like, hey, could you imagine buying a house today, very minimal money down, yep. getting the rate you want, and in two, three, four, five years from now, be able to upgrade or cash out some equity yep. that you never thought was possible? Well, that's the point, right? Like when we talk about two one buy down, just to go back to what that looks like, right? It's the exact same as a three two one buy down. It's just a shorter time frame, which normally means it's a little bit cheaper. It costs from, a little bit less, yeah. From a down payment, from a not down payment, I have a positive. Yeah, on a five hundred thousand, yeah, on a five hundred thousand dollar loan, not like cost of house, right? It depends on what you're putting down. A three two one buy down would cost you about fifteen thousand dollars, which you get from the seller. Mm-hmm. In concessions. Yep. And a 2-1 buy down would cost you right 10. And the reason that's important too, right? And this is from a strategy standpoint, is depending on the price of the house and how long it's been sitting on the market, it could be that, you know, in your specific scenario, a 2-1 buy down is a more attractive ask than a 3-2-1 buy down. And with a 2-1 buy down, you're still looking at, you know, year one, you're 2% under, right? So a 7 one two five. That puts us at a 5125 and then a 6125. And then by year three, you're back at a 7125, which is the par rate, but it still gives you the option and it essentially buys you time to let rates normalize a little bit more to where you then can refinance and get a lower rate for the rest of the 30 year term. And our job is to make sure that these conversations are happening. And again, I reiterate it, right? If you're looking to purchase a home, have these conversations with your realtor. Just do, because there's different options that we're willing to do. Yeah. There, and there are tons of opportunity. So a concession, what that means is a seller is gonna give you a set amount of money that they would receive from the sell their house. For example, let's say the house is $500,000. Mm-hmm. We would pay them $500,000 for that house, but 10 of that, 10,000 of that $500,000 would go towards the buyer's costs, mm-hmm. meaning, they can take that $10,000 and apply it towards closing costs. Right. They can apply it towards a rate buy down. Mm-hmm. Heck, we can, I've even paid off people's cars yeah, with this. I do remember that. Yep, so absolutely. if you think about it, so $10,000 over the course of 30 years Nothing. is a lot less expensive because it's like a monthly fee, right? So mm-hmm. uh, normal rates, I'm going to go normal rates here at a 4.25. Right. It's like $55 a month. Right. Yep. And if you think about it, you're you're gonna own the house on average five to seven years. So fifty dollars times twelve times five. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less expensive than six thousand dollars. Yeah. So what we like to do is use these closing costs slash incentives to help our buyers get what they want and help them position themselves better for the long term. Some of you may be out there listening and going, Well, why would a seller give me concessions why would they give me ten thousand dollars out of their own pocket essentially to help me pay for the house that i'm buying and i think it's a it's an important distinction to make because realistically if let's say i sell a house or i, I list a house for six hundred fifty thousand, right market value it's where it's going but it sits on the market for a certain amount of days so jc let me ask you this if you're listing a house mm-hmm. right how long do you normally wait until you discuss price reductions? Uh, depends on a couple of factors, but typically if we press it right, I don't touch anything until 21 days. So 21 days. So let's say you go through 21 days, you have a couple showings, no offers, 
not a ton of interest, right? At that point, you discuss a price reduction on the set for, for the seller, right? To whatever that looks like, right? And at that point, you pull more comps because now you have 21 days more of market data, so on and so forth. You got my mind going crazy. I'm like doing the math in my head. Yes. Right. So here's what people don't necessarily understand because a price reduction and seller concessions seem like two very different concepts. It's all net to the pocket. They're not, right? Yeah. It's net to the seller. Yeah. So the seller can either price reduce by 15000 mm -hmm. right, which at six fifty takes it down to six thirty five, right? Or they can say, hey, bring us six fifty. We'll give $15,000 in concessions or we'll accept $15,000 in concessions as an offer. And the difference being the monthly payment to the buyer, which to what you just said, right? Yeah. Well, $15,000 over 30 years is nothing. Yeah, well, take, put it this way. So at a $600,000 house, yep. at a 7125, mm -hmm. you can only accept an offer for buyers who could afford 4251 if they brought 10% down. Right, because it's, it's all about monthly. Now, payment. like to afford a payment of 4251, you're talking about making... It's 40% front end, so... $120,000 a year. A year. Yep. Now, what if you... Brought in buyers who could afford thirty two hundred a month. Does that open up your buyer pool? Sorry, one hundred sixty thousand the first time, one hundred twenty the second. So you're talking a forty thousand dollar decrease yeah. in monthly earnings to sit, to afford the same house mm -hmm. if you do concessions yep. versus a price reduction. You're just opening up your a potential buyer right. pool. So I think it's important to distinct, right? Yeah. People go, well, why would a seller do this? Well, the seller's going to do it because the net to the seller is the same. Yeah. If gonna, I yeah. price reduce fifteen grand. Versus if I give $15,000 in concession, the amount of money that the seller is going to pocket after that transaction is the exact same. The difference is I can now attract a larger pool of buyers because the affordability changes. Yep. And I think that's a very, very, very good thing to kind of differentiate. And that's why we talk about these seller concessions and what the power is. Because at the end of the day, the goal from a seller is to sell the house. Well, to sell the house, you need the biggest buyer pool possible. Concessions can bring that buyer. Are you pool. talking about supply and demand over here? The what? Re again. No. Economics 101. <laughs> supply and demand. More buyers means quicker homes sold. Exactly. Especially in this market. And that's where it gets confusing and, 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 and also can create some ultimately hard decisions to make because you don't know how best to market the place. And again, partnering with a very tenured, very knowledgeable very creative agent is going to make the difference for you and your family. Thinking outside the box, man. That's what we do. And yeah. the beauty of it is with our team, right, we bounce these ideas off all the time. Like, we'll sit down. Heck, we were... This is fun. I'll, I'll be honest, right? We're, we played Call of Duty together. And instead <laughs> of saying, hey, there's a dude at 127 West, it's, hey, so what do you think about the current market conditions? Like, if, yeah. you're, if you're playing with us, it's actually probably pretty boring because we're talking about real estate the whole time. But... It, it's a good thing because we, we have a very good pulse on what's happening, where the market is. And when we're we, talking about all these 2-1 buy-downs, 3-1 buy-downs, creative financing options, the reason we bring it up is because we understand the power that it has for buyers and sellers in this market. It opened up opportunity. It opened us opportunity for both buyer and seller. Yeah. And that's where our goal is to me. Like, it doesn't matter what the rates are today or tomorrow. People need to buy, people need to sell, and our goal is to make sure that we open up as much opportunity for as many people as possible with as many solutions as possible. So that being said, we're gonna to touch on something that I think has a very, very negative stigma 
Yep. And it's because of 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want JC to kind of talk us through what this looks like because it is something that we are seeing more often, especially in higher price uh, homes, right? And that is an adjustable rate mortgage. Oh, man. Arms, 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 arms. So what we're going to talk about here now is a subject that a lot of people feel is taboo. But I think, again, like anything else, that is scary. Yep. It, there's no education behind it. So when 28, uh, 2008, I keep saying 20, 2008. 2008. Yeah, 2008. When 2008, 2007 happened, there was some crazy things happening in the lending practice that are totally gone now today because of regulation and issues that have happened. Yep. So the cool thing is a lot of that stuff that was bad has changed. Yes. So an arm basically is this. You get a rate today based on your credit score and what you avail what's available, then it will adjust at a set period and by a, uh, and, and, and it will continue to adjust mm -hmm. by a set time frame after that. Correct. And for the most part, they have priced themselves out of the market mm -hmm. purposefully because of the uncertainty on it. But today, especially in certain buyer's circumstances, they're actually pretty attractive. Yeah, yeah. So we found with our jumbo buyers, so the jumbo today is like anyone 647, it's about to be 715 next year, meaning For like- For the kids out there, what is a jumbo? Jumbo means like there is a certain amount of money you can borrow mm -hmm. before you get into non-conforming rates, meaning this is outside of the normal purchase price for most people in that area. Yeah. Basically, the banks want to lend a certain amount of money, right? And in Douglas County, since that's where we're at, we're around $647,000. In 2022, in 2023, it'll jump up to like seven fifteen. Yep. That's the amount of money you borrow. So let's say you put 5% down, add 5% to what we can borrow. Yep, exactly. So the Anything cool- above that is a- Jumbo. The cool thing with Not to be confused with Dumbo. <laughs> the, cool thing with, yeah, the cool thing with Jumbo and Bumbo and Dumbo is that most of anything Jumbo. This whiskey's working, by the way. <laughs> 12, 12 years is <laughs> feeling pretty good. Uh, the cool thing with Jumbo is they're not beholden to Fannie, Freddie, i.e. government guidelines. These are investors with money who want to lend money to other people to then get the interest. Right. So they can kind of come up with their own terms. So some of it's like the old Wild West where there's not like a set standard. So it, mm -hmm. it does help to shop around. But we are getting folks who are getting into jumbo loans, which is above the median price point in most of Denver now. Yep. Yeah, because I think right now, so for example, right, just for context, I'm going to pull this up real quick, so excuse me, but Castle Rock. We're in Castle Pines. I use Castle Rock all the time. Zip code's 80104. So the median list price in Castle Rock is 665. Yep. Currently, jumbo loan is 647, right? So essentially, like JC said, at 665, you'd have to have a certain amount of down payment to get into a conventional conforming loan. If you're buying a house at 800,000 with three and a half percent down, most likely you're going to be in a jumbo loan. So that's why we talk about this because this is where the area that affects and to JC's point, it's going up next year, right? Which it should because yeah. it's yeah. increased. Yeah. Every year it goes up a yep. little bit. So, um, but the cool thing is like you have options around like how you use your money. So if I'm at a, let's, let's say that like to Jameson's point, I'm buying a $700,000 house. Mm -hmm. Why would I put more money down to get into conforming? when I can get a jumbo at a lower rate. Correct. 
And right now, with the jumbo rate, so a 10-1 arm, what that means is for the first 10 years, your rate will be fixed. And that's going to depend on the investors. Yes. Well, what, their, what their rate is. We but it's normally cheaper. It's normally cheaper, yeah. Yep. Right, but right now we have some good lenders, some good deals. So for the first 10 years, your rate will be fixed. And then you'll have a 1% one, uh, 1%, or no, excuse me, one adjustment every year on that loan yep. based on current rates. So the crazy thing is at a jumbo, 10-1, the current rate is five and a quarter. Which right now conventional 7125, seven, right? 7125, 725 at premier credit. So it's actually cheaper to get a jumbo than it is to get a proper mm -hmm. conventional or conforming loan. Yep. So if you think about it, like, would you rather save your cash for your down payment right. or go into a jumbo at a lower rate? Where's the return? You have 10 years for it to readjust and to refinance. Yep. Which again, you're now you're you're. I don't want to say the word gamble, but you are essentially betting on the. It's fact a gamble. It is. You're you're, you're making a bet. The rates are yeah. going to go lower, and what you can refi into a normal, conventional mortgage for thirty years, so on and so forth. Yeah. Right. But right. I think the the big portion of the point of this is, when people talked about arms previously, right. If they were uncapped. It was a wild west. You people were making. They up didn't verify income. income. Yeah, it was yeah. insane. That's not happening. So to, arms James, still exist. What, how did you qualify for that? What does your debt to income ratio need to be? Well, it's got to fall within the range of how much that loan can adjust Correct. year over year, right? So the beauty of this is you can yes, you take a risk, and we will say that till the day we die, which is why we have these conversations, right? And again, I'm going to reiterate, if we're not having these conversations with your lender, your realtor, you should, because it gives you more options. And our entire job is to cut through and make this as transparent as possible. But you still have to qualify for what the maximum fluxation, whatever word you want to make up, uh, variation of loans are for that time period because they're not going to lend you money. Everybody's learned from 2007, 2008 yes. with all the default loans, right? As an investor, think about it. If I'm loaning somebody money, right, I'm gonna make sure they qualify because I wanna get my money back. And from an arm standpoint, because they're fueled by investors and banks that have investors, they wanna make sure that you as a borrower can qualify to make sure that your debt to income ratio fits within the range. If it's a 1% increase, right? There's also seven, six arms, there's a bunch of different things. And we encourage you to talk to your lender to find out what's best for you. But you do have to qualify on the low end and the high end to get an arm and to, to take advantage of the of the lower interest rate. Yeah, so they're, they're gonna verify that you can afford the highest potential payment mm -hmm. based on the threshold of the adjustment. But for 10 years, you get the advantage of the lower rate. Yep. And that's why it's not a bad deal, right? So we know that most people own a house between five and seven years. Correct. So sellers, right? So ultimately, we want you to get to where your next step is. We talked about this last yep. week. It's what we talk about every The goal is what? Get we, you to your next place. Get you to or your, whatever that goal what, is. Get you to your next step. And I didn't bang. I just touched the table that time. So the next step is where we want to get to. And de depending on your situation, whether it be in a move up, move down, out of state relocation, or just cash out, we want to make sure you get to that next place. So when we sit down and talk about the next step, we're going to discuss the best way to market your home to make it more appealing, more 
appetizing mm -hmm. to as many buyers as possible because we know that supply and demand dictates that the more the buyers, the quicker the home sells for the highest you know, price span possible. So to do that, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna discuss, hey, let's say the homes in your neighborhood are selling for $600,000. Yep. What if we listed your house for $600,000 but with a 2-1 buy down? Meaning, we're gonna price in the 2-1 buy down and then advertise what that interest rate will be for that specific buyer. Which again, all we're doing is people focus on the price point of the home when they should focus on why the is monthly that, payment, yeah, right? Yeah, why is that frustrating for us? As it's frustrating for us because it, it, it's a misnomer, right? Mm -hmm. People go, well, I can afford 600,000 because I plugged into a mortgage calculator, blah, 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 and it said I can afford 600,000, which sure, right? But at the end of the day, your bills, your finances, your income versus what you spend monthly is gonna dictate what you can afford on a monthly basis. So a $600,000 home with a concession is going to adjust the monthly payment on that home, which then brings more buyers in because if somebody, and we talked about earlier, right? There's a group of buyers that can afford $4,700 a month. There's a larger group of buyers that can afford $3,200 a month. Why would we not wanna bring them in? 100%. Because at the end of the day, it's the psychology of sales, right? If you get more eyeballs on your property as a seller, then what's gonna happen? You'll get more offers. Right, and even if, I'm, if I am still advertising, hey, I'm gonna give you $10,000 in concessions at 650. Let's just say that, right? Well, if I get more buyers looking at my house, then I may take a bid for 670 with $10,000 in concession, which means the net to my pocket that I can put in my bank account that gets me to the next place is even more. Yep. And people focus, and especially sellers, I run into this all the time, right? Sellers look at uh, what, what I'm gonna sell my house for because my neighbor's dog's kids sold their house three months ago for something. That doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter anymore. We have to adapt or die. <laughs> Yeah, that's adapt, literally what adapt, it is. Adapt to the current environment. That's what it is. And like from a seller standpoint, like we, yes, so we list your house for $600,000. It's going to, let's say it sits for the 14, 21 days. Mm -hmm. People are expecting to get it off of, a little bit off of the list price. Sure. So but, psychology. But if we can market the place saying, hey, like, yeah, you know, $600,000, but at this price, your payment will be $1,000 cheaper. Yep. Would you take $1,000 off the price? Would you take... Normal rates, fifteen thousand dollars off the price. It's gonna give you like seventy bucks off. Right. Exactly. What's what's better, thousand or seventy? Especially if that thousand dollars is the difference of a three bedroom house to a four bedroom house, and I'm a family that has three kids. Right. That is a massive difference and a massive pool, and that's why, from a seller's perspective, you know, we talk about expectations. We talked about it last week. It's one of those things where get creative. Like the purpose is more eyeballs. Seller concessions, initially, yeah, they seem like a bad thing, but they're not because they get more people's eyeballs and a larger buyer pool that will allow you to sell your house for even more. And JC's getting so excited about this, he just poured us another shot of the 1792, which by the way, if you guys remember, pop quiz, first year Kentucky was uh, introduced into the nation as a state. So um, yeah, I think that the perspective has to make sure that like we understand our job is to get your house sold as a seller. Our job as a buyer's agent is to get you into the place that makes the most sense for you, monthly payment. And I think what we've talked about today from a creative financing standpoint and different things we can do 
benefits both sides, right? Is is it going to benefit buyers a little bit more? Yes, in the sense that they're going to have more opportunities, right? But from a seller standpoint, getting more eyes on your property means that you're going to have more opportunities to sell your house at a higher price. Well, again, it comes down to what are you trying to accomplish, whether yep. you're buyer or seller. There's opportunities in every market. Correct. If you're a seller, if you're a buyer. If you're in Vegas. Wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> There's always opportunity. And we are able to set you up with the right strategy that makes sense for you and your family. And why is that? Because how much experience do we have? We've been doing this for a while. We've we're, had a lot of transactions. We don't suck at it. We don't. We don't no. suck at it. And we're actually getting, it's crazy. We're getting busier. Like yeah. my phone keeps ringing. Things Dude, it's, keep it's, it's a humble brag, right? And yeah. I think we take it's pride like, yeah. in being creative and being transparent. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like I will be transparent. If somebody says, hey, I want to list my house here. Yeah. I don't have a problem. I had a conversation yesterday. Got a call for a $2 million listing. Mm-hmm. Sat down with the gentleman, discussed kind of what we do and how we, how we operate. And he says, well, I got an offer from this investor with this other like, competing brokerage. And they said they could pay me for this for this house. Yep. And I go, great. Here's the deal. Take the meeting. See what they say. Here's what we offer. If, I, if it's better, I will tell you it's better. Because it doesn't, do, no. it doesn't do me any favors to hold on to a listing that's not going to sell. Right. So, again. If you don't sell, you don't get paid. Well, it doesn't, so it doesn't matter, matter anyway. <laughs> but also, like, you're going to leave with a sour taste exactly. in your mouth about me and yep. my team and how we operate. And that's not how we do no. our business. No. So, to transition into our ending of this podcast yep. is buyers. I get it. It's scary. There's a lot of nonsense in the system. And we're trying to figure out, like, what's right, what's wrong. There is still opportunity. And if you partner with the right agent who understands that where we are in the market and have the great partners with lending that we have, you will win today. You will. And you'll you want to make sure like thinking outside the box is going forward, that's what it's gonna take, I think. And I say that because we were spoiled for two years, right? Low interest rates, you could buy houses cheap, you could sell houses for as much money as possible. And now we're moving into where it actually takes a strategy. It takes thinking outside the box. It takes transparency, all these different things. So the best thing you can do is if you're a buyer or a seller, right? Mm -hmm. Make sure you, the the things that we talked about in this episode, make sure you're having those conversations with your agent, whoever you're working with. If it's not for us, cool. That's totally fine. Our job is to arm you with as much knowledge as possible to be as successful as possible in a real estate transaction whether that's with us or it's with somebody else. We don't care, mm-hmm. right? We really don't. No. Because at the end of the day, the more successful the real estate market is, guess what? The more successful we are, the more successful people are, the more money they make, and that's what our entire goal is. So JC, I'm gonna ask you this. Mm-hmm. We talked about a lot, man. We talked about the whiskey, right? Killer. We're good we talked there. We're about good there. 2-1 buy-downs, 3-2-1 buy-downs, arms. We talked about buyer strategy, seller strategy. So give me your biggest takeaway that we talked about today. My biggest takeaway is don't be scared. Scared. It's going to change. Things are going to shift. They're going to move up. They're going to move down. Take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Take a sip of bourbon. Or like three, depending. If you're on this podcast, at least three. <laughs> three. Uh, and figure out what do you want to accomplish. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's opportunity. Fair. Uh, my biggest takeaway is everything, when you talk about a free market, is cyclical. And the best advice I can give anybody is be comfortable with change and adaptation. 
right? Whether that's a 2-1 buy down now versus, you know, higher offers later versus creative financing options in six months, we don't know what's gonna happen, right? If you had a crystal ball, would you be here in this office with these gray walls? Hell no. My walls would be blue. Right? I, mine would be, yeah, blue, that's my favorite color. Yeah, I same, agree. Same with, it, with a giant wall of whiskey, right? Yeah. So the, the purpose of this, and, and my biggest takeaway is we can't predict the future, but what we can do is we can take previous facts, events, trends, and and give those to you guys to make the best decision. Just be open to change and be open to being adaptive and do what's right for you and your family and have the right conversations. And at the end of the day, it's gonna work out. Agreed, couldn't give yep. me more. And of course, our favorite part of the end. Bro, whiskey. The b- bourbon. I'm gonna put my laptop away for those of you watching on video. I don't need that for this portion. So we're gonna talk about the bourbon. So, Jameson, tell me in your most uh, stand-up way why you enjoy this bourbon. I So, I mean, I'm okay, I'm a big old-fashioned guy, yep. right? And I love old fashions. And any restaurant I go to, Charlie, you know this, right? He, so, by the way, Applebee's is very good old-fashioned. Hold on, quick background. Charlie was a bartender for a while, but he was a cocktail master. And this dude has given me multiple recipes and ideas for cocktails, specifically around whiskey. So I defer to him anytime. If I say I had a good, you know, old fashioned at this restaurant, I'm about to send him to those restaurants to to validate my claims. Um, I judge whiskey based on do I think it's going to be a good old fashioned? This 1792 right here, 100. Um, percent It it kind of drinks like a rye, I think. Oh really? A little bit. It's a little bit drier. But, but I think in an old-fashioned, it would be absolutely fantastic. I would say, what would we say? Five rocks is uh, worst. Zero rocks ten, is best. Ten, ten, ten rocks. Oh, sorry. Ten rocks is worst. Zero rocks is best. I thought that my joke around them getting confused on uh, what rocks was rocks would take multiple episodes. It took yeah, two. Yeah, it took two. All right. So I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go two rocks. Yeah, dude, I, I'm right I, there I think it's fantastic. I can sip this all day long. Yeah, this yeah. is gonna go up at the one rockish rating for me. This Woo! is up, this is up there with the Pappy twelve year. Okay. Or I should say Van Winkle t- t- uh, t- uh, ten year. We we did say that it was supposed to be a worthy adversary to Pappy. JC just confirmed it. Yeah, I so. think the Van Winkle twelve year uh, lot B. This is right up there with it. Uh, Weller twelve, right? All that stuff. It's fantastic. Easy drinker. I wish it was a little spicier. Like, I wish I had a little bit more kick. Yeah. I get a lot of hazelnut. I get some vanilla. I get some blackberry and some black pepper. Black pepper? A little bit. Would I you do get a little bit of black pepper. What did you have for lunch today? I get black pepper. I do. I'm just saying. I do. That's what I get. You got that black and chicken. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, fantastic. I think, again, the, the, the hard part with this one is it's not an easy bourbon to find. It's allocated highly uh, selective in areas and... But I do think if you find this one, go get it. 1792 yeah. has a whole series. They make a small batch, which is very easy to find. It's like $29. Again, small batch. How much does this retail? This one retails for $50. So if you take it up against other $50 Oof, bourbons. That's not fair. Dude. Secondary on this one's like $250. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, for the price, fantastic. No, so. it's, it's a good one. So, hey, again, thank you guys so much for joining us. Yep, appreciate it, guys. I hope this was a little bit less crazy and more enjoyable to listen to. We will get better. 
keep sending us topics, keep sending us information and feedback around what you like want yeah. to hear. And I cannot wait to finish my last sip of this fantastic bourbon. Yep. If you want to reach Jameson, how do I get a hold of you? Man, I mean, you can show up my address, but it'd be a little weird. So uh, we're going to go cell phone, 720-584-3361. And uh, Jameson at Metro5280.com if you guys prefer email. Otherwise, that Colorado Realtor guy on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Very good. My name is JC Ortega again. You can reach me at 720-317-9437 or JC at Metro5280.com. Guys, cheers so much. Cheers so much to the weekend. It is Thursday, right? Yep. Thursday, Thursday? Yep. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to tune in next week so the guys can continue to help you navigate this crazy market.